الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وما خلقت الجن والإنس إلا ليعبدون صدق الله العظيم Most respected students of deen, mothers and sisters. We are in these months when our hearts, our minds should be focused towards the Mubarak month of Ramadan. As we discussed briefly last week, we should be reciting the dua regularly. Allahumma barik lana fi rajabi wa sha'ban wa ballighna Ramadan. Ya Allah grant us barakat in the months of Rajab and Sha'ban and enable us to reach the Mubarak month of Ramadan. One is the dua, the other is the effort and making that kind of program that prepares us for Ramadan, which includes increasing our ibadat, increasing our tilawat, increasing some zikr, dua, learning about the virtues of Ramadan by reading the fazail Ramadan, the virtues of Ramadan by Hazrat Shaykh Rahmatullah So all this is part of the preparation of Ramadan. Together with that, the very important thing we discussed last week is taqwa and tawbah, that we should be cleansing ourselves out, making istighfar and tawbah in these Mubarak months, so that when the Mubarak month of Ramadan comes, we are cleaned out and ready to now be filled. When a person wants to pour some milk into a container, so the pure milk will be poured in the container, but not before it is washed. First you'll wash out that container, that glass or whatever container it is. Make sure it is clean, because this pure milk must come into a clean utensil. So likewise, the love of Allah Ta'ala will come into a clean heart. The mercies and the Rahmat of the Mubarak month of Ramadan will shower down fully into a clean heart. So this is the cleaning time. That by excessive istighfar, tawbah, we clean ourselves out. And we condition our minds and hearts to become the complete and total obedient servants and slaves of Allah Ta'ala. This is the object of Ramadan that we become the complete slaves of Allah Ta'ala, total obedience, taqwa, this is what the essence of taqwa is. So from now we should be looking at all the entire aspect of taqwa, all the aspects of taqwa in its entirety, and checking where do we fall deficient. We should be beginning to start working on those areas to bring ourselves closer to this complete taqwa. Taqwa is not restricted to just one part of life and does not in, uh, affect other parts of our life. It's not restricted to just ibadat, for example, that a person now starts performing their f- five times salah with regularity and other ibadat is being fulfilled. That is also part of taqwa, that whatever commands are there in terms of ibadat, we are fulfilling that. Ibadat is not, or taqwa is not restricted to just the eyes, for example, that a person does not look at haram, that is a very essential and important part of taqwa, that a person guards the gaze, 
But it's not confined to that. Likewise, it's not confined to looking after the ears, to protecting and safeguarding the tongue from speaking haram. All these are essential. Without looking after the tongue, without looking after the eyes, the ears, the heart from haram, there is no taqwa in reality, in complete, uh, the complete reality of taqwa is not there. So all these things will have to be in place. But together with that, the other aspects of life, for example, our mu'asharat, how often people are very, very conscious of ibadat, they are conscious of a lot of nafil salah they will make, they will recite tasbihat, wazaif, tilawat, alhamdulillah, summa alhamdulillah, the more the better. But many a times when it comes to mu'amalat, mu'asharat and akhlaq, we lack very very greatly in this department and as a result, the concept of taqwa that we have chosen for ourselves does not fulfill what we are supposed to acquire. We have chosen that taqwa, that concept which just confines itself to certain aspects of life or ibadat, etc., but these very essential departments of deen we ignore. We don't give it any regard or very little regard. And as a result, after the month of Ramadan has come and gone, we are still far away from the reality of taqwa. So the objective has not been attained. Now among the aspects of mu'asharat, and the same goes with regards to akhlaq, one of the very essential things that deen has taught us in this is to consider others before ourselves. To consider others before ourselves. Normally, in the Western society and the Western frame of mind, the Western concept of life, you think of yourself first, and others later. That is essentially how it works. People will do things for others often only when they are paid for it, or there's some material benefit for it, or there's some political mileage to get out of it. There are many people who do it with a sincere heart also, but this is the general way of life. And to understand this, that how this is the general way of life, that first you think of yourself and others later, that if you look at it in terms of those who are closest to people, for example, one's parents, they are the closest, they have the highest rights. And this is where the greatest neglect, unfortunately, happens in many, many cases. That parents have become old, so now they must move it to the old age home. Parents have become old, they must move it to the old age home. And then they will be visited once in a blue moon, and that's it. That's their life now. My life, now I want to enjoy my life, especially a person now has probably earned some money, he has his own family, and he is thriving in his business, or in his profession, or in his job, or whatever the case is. So, now he needs to enjoy his life, he needs to enjoy his money, so he wants to have the freedom 
and now looking after these old parents, being concerned about their needs, this is all a, an obstacle to enjoying the freedom and doing as I wish. So now they rather do what they want for themselves. If they wish to uh, go to the old age home, very good. If they wish to live on their own and suffer their own uh, daily problems on their own without any support, well, that's their business. So how many times this neglect takes place? And this is all the concept that comes from Western society. They give it more sophisticated names to make it sound a little bit more palatable. They will call it now retirement villages. Retirement village. Retirement village means what? That now there's nobody there to take care of you. So now you come and sit here and you pay for it obviously. And in that age of life, when people are now in their advanced ages, more than comforts and luxuries of the material world, because they are not even in a position to enjoy those comforts. The comforts of the material world, their health now doesn't allow, allow them to enjoy much of it. They can't eat what they want. At that time, many are now diabetic, or somebody has got a hypertension, somebody has got something else, so now they are on a very strict diet. In Urdu, diet is called Perhez. And a pious person is also called Parhezgar. Parhezgar actually means somebody who is refraining from wrong. But diet also is Parhez. That a person has certain restrictions in the diet. So at that age, generally, everybody becomes Parhezgar. They all become very Parhezgar, but in the sense that now they can't eat what they want. But what is the requirement is Parhezgar in terms of Taqwa that a person becomes truly pious. But in any case, that was on the side. So they don't really have the opportunity now to enjoy too many material comforts. What they really want at that time is love, care, support. But many a times, the parents are abandoned completely. This is the normal thing that happens, unfortunately, in a very, very large percentage in Western society. And because we want to live like the West, we want to dress like them, that they dress in a certain way, so we want to dress in that way. In the Western way of dressing, if it's not tight, it's not right. That is the norm. That is unfortunately the tragic uh, concept by which the West dresses. If it's not tight, it's not right. Now we consider this very carefully, the statement, and reflect upon our society. Reflect upon the Muslim Ummah. Have we not gone down the same road? The Shaitani road. Shaitan, this was his. That in Jannat, his effort was to try and have the, jan, the, the garments of Jannat get Adam and Hawa wasalam deprived of the garments of Jannat. And that is the Quran Sharif is very clearly depicting this whole picture. This was Shaitan's objective. And by making them forget about the command Allah that had given and making them eat from the tree that was forbidden, it was a total mistake. It was something that happened in forgetfulness. 
but he achieved this end result. So from the shaitan, this was his objective. So now also, he will try to keep making things tighter, so that the entire shape of the body is exposed, and every kind of immorality then becomes the norm. This is the object of shaitan. Now this is the motto by which the West operates. If it's not tight, it's not right. And the Islamic way is the total opposite. If it's tight, it's not right. Now, this is total two opposite extremes. Now on which side are we? Now some say, no, I'm 50-50. There's no such thing as 50-50. We have to decide where we are. We can't be also, we belong to Rahman and belong to Shaitan also. Rahman kabi or Shaitan kabi. Allah Ta'ala doesn't like partnerships. Allah Ta'ala is free of all partnerships. La ilaha illallah. So Allah Ta'ala has given us that beautiful deen, the way of life of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And in that way of life, if it is tight, it's not right. Unfortunately, the West is the total opposite end. If it's not tight, it's not right. We say if it's tight, it's not right. It has to be loose. It must not be exposing the shape of the body in any way. But now, unfortunately, this motto of the West has crept into the cloak, has crept into everything. So we need to be very careful and conscious about this. So in any case, we were talking something else and we got diverted here, that the Western concept is that each one for himself. And if you don't want to be by yourself, then you can keep two people as company. Me, myself, and I. Now that's three of us now. I'm taking care of two people. Me, and then the two people is myself, and I. So we are one group now. So we don't need to bother about anybody else now, because we are already a group. But that group is one person. Now this is the general motto by which the West lives. They may not be saying it so openly and clearly, but the life, this depicts it. So who gets hurt, who cries, who is inconvenienced, all these things don't matter to us. Don't matter to them, and when we start following their way of life, it doesn't matter to us. Then when a person's parents, his own parents are paining, are hurting, it doesn't bother him. The spouse, somebody's wife, somebody's husband, is being inconvenienced by their behavior. doesn't matter to them. The husband is conducting himself as he wishes. It doesn't bother him that the way he is conducting himself, he is causing tremendous pain and difficulty to his wife. He is not concerned. Or the wife is conducting herself in such a way that he is bringing difficulty, inconvenience, hardship on the husband. She is not concerned. Parents, sometimes, they may be very concerned in terms of what the worldly material comforts are to give that to the children. But the child is harming his akhirat, is going to destroy his hereafter. They are little concerned about that, unfortunately, many a times. And then, when it comes to our day-to-day associations with our colleagues, with our friends, with our classmates, with our neighbors, with our brothers and sisters, so the last thing sometimes that crosses our mind is that am I causing any kind of difficulty to anybody or not? Am I staying away from harming anyone in any way? Whereas the hadith of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam 
which we repeated on many occasions, that Al-Muslimu man salim al-Muslimuna min lisanihi wa yadihi. This is the definition. Nabi Islam is giving us a definition. Anybody asks us, what are you? We'll say we are Muslim. So Alhamdulillah, we have Islam. But do we have it in its reality, in every sense of the word? Nabi Islam is saying to us, that if you want to really judge yourself, how much of a Muslim are you? If you want to make sure that you are truly a Muslim, then there's the yardstick. There's the yardstick for you to judge yourself on. That a Muslim is one who does not give any inconvenience to the next Muslim. That man salim al-Muslimun amil lisanihi wa yadih. That other Muslims are safe from the harm of his hand or tongue. Meaning his any word or deed. In any way, we don't give any inconvenience to the next person. Either by doing something to the person, taking somebody's thing away, mocking somebody, making somebody feel belittled in some way, passing comments and remarks against someone, making fun of somebody, teasing somebody in a way that hurts them, or not necessarily that we are doing something deliberately to hurt anybody else. But we go about our own things in such a way that we become a problem for others. Now, for example, somebody in a home now, we need to use something. Now, whatever we are going to use is something that is a common item. Others in the home also use it. It might be something, whatever, some utensil, whatever it is. So now we pick it up from where it is, we take it, use it as we want to, leave it where we want to. Or we leave our things lying around in other people's way. We use somebody's item from one place, we leave it elsewhere, now the person has a problem looking for it. We use it in the incorrect way. We borrowed somebody's item and we used it for a purpose that is not meant with that item. We borrowed somebody's knife and we are now cutting wood with it. Now that knife is not meant for cutting wood. You can cut some fruit with it, cut some other things that it's meant for. Now we're using that knife to cut wood. Obviously it's going to harm that knife, it's going to make it blunt, it's going to damage it. Now all this is because we don't give any consideration to the next person. What difficulty this person is going to? Or what hurt am I going to cause him? And Nabi Islam is saying that if we are causing hurt to others, then this definition of Muslim does not apply fully to us. Then we are not yet worthy of this title. A Muslim is one who doesn't cause any taklif to anybody else. We look in the lives of our Kabir, some of these incidents which we have discussed on many occasions, but there's so much of inspiration in it that one is astounded that to what extent these people went to in order to save others from inconvenience. Hazrat Mawla Ashraf Ali Thanwi Rahmatullahi and all this, what they did and practiced on was what they learned from their Akabir and this is all the way goes up to Nabi Wasallam. The Sahaba Ikram and then Nabi Wasallam. This is their teachings. They taught it. Nabi Wasallam taught it. The Sahaba Ikram learned it from him. They practiced it and they taught it. And this came down the generations our Akabir lived it. They learned it from there and lived it. So, Hazrat Tanvi Rahmatullahi was very at his old age and he was unwell, he was quite ill. And late at night he needed to 
go to the toilet. So the toilet can, the jug, so he, there was no tapped water, so that need to, needed to be taken along, the lota. So he filled that with the water, went, finished off from the toilet, and as he's returning, the effort to go to the toilet, because it wasn't all in sweet, he had to leave the house, go outside. So by the time he returned, because of his ill health, he was quite ill, the exertion was too much. And as a result, while still coming back to his room, he fell unconscious, fell on the floor unconscious. After a short while, he gained consciousness, he realized what happened. With difficulty, he woke up. He didn't wake up anybody else in that process. He woke up quietly and came somehow to his bed and he slept again, lay down on his bed. As he lay down on his bed now, keep in mind this whole scene, a person has just fallen unconscious, he's old, he's unwell, and now when he's just laid down on his bed, he remembers that when I fell at that time, I had that jug in my hand, and that fell in the way, because when I fell, that fell out of my hand, now somebody else will wake up to use the toilet, they'll need the jug, they'll go to its place to look for it. Number one, it won't be in its place. They'll be inconvenienced. Number two, it's lying somewhere in the way. Somebody may trip over it. Now, he could have easily woken his wife up at that time, that please you go and pick up the jug and put it in his place. But he did not do that. He did not do that. In that condition, he woke up. With difficulty, again, he made his way, found the jug, picked it up, put it back in its place and then came back. He didn't want to disturb anybody else's sleep and he didn't want to cause any taklif to anybody and in this way he undertook the taklif and the difficulty on himself but he saved everybody else from that problem. Now this is the reality. Taqwa we are talking about, we want to attain this great wealth of taqwa. This Mubarak month of Ramadan is coming. It is coming to teach us the same lesson the lesson of taqwa, how we can acquire this great gift, but taqwa is not restricted to one or two things in our lives. Taqwa is a comprehensive aspect. It encompasses every aspect of life. And if we are genuine and serious about wanting to get closer to Allah Ta'ala, we want to become the beloved of Allah Ta'ala, we want to attain taqwa, then we cannot expect to get there without bringing all these things in our lives without getting ourselves onto the complete way of life of Rasulullah In terms of mu'amalat, in terms of mu'asharat, the social life, this interaction with people, in terms of this hadith, al-muslimu man salim al-muslimuna min lisanihi wa yadi, that a true Muslim is one who every other Muslim is safe from every kind of difficulty, from any word or deed of this person then we are say, we can be expecting to get closer to Allah Ta'ala in the real terms and be expecting that we will get blessed with this reality of taqwa inshallah. But this consideration, this is a very, very essential thing. Consideration. Unfortunately, we will look for our convenience even if it inconveniences others. Many a times this happens, people park their cars, sometimes at the masjid, sometimes at other programs, functions, etc. and park the car anyway. Now they are jamming others. 
and the person is not concerned. Why he is not concerned? Because this aspect of consideration is not there. Now he could have parked at a maybe more distant spot, but at the distant spot, it will be more inconvenient for him. He will have to walk more. So he will come and park at a closer point which will jam others. But because it is convenient for him. So now we look for our convenience. We don't consider who we are jamming. For that matter, just in the same line of thought, jamming others, we will delay even if it is causing others taklif. Now for example, at the madrasa now, somebody's car has come to pick them up. Now they know that at a certain time, they need to be ready to move. Now if they are not in the car at that time, number one, whoever has come to pick them up, they are delaying that person. So that person is getting inconvenienced. But often, because of the restriction of space, now others are getting inconvenienced also, because other cars are behind. Now, how many people we are causing taklif to? And we don't give it any thought that anything has happened. But if this is something that could have been avoided, and we are still deliberately causing that taklif, only something was beyond somebody. Now, the person just got delayed in a manner that was beyond their control. But 99% of the time it is something that is our deliberate doing. That we are taking life easy, we know that the car is going to be waiting, we can't be concerned about it, and we'll go in our own time, in our own way, and then if somebody guides us and corrects us, then we will take offense on that also. Whereas this is not the way of a Muslim. The way of a Muslim is that we don't give taklif to anybody. Giving taklif deliberately is not the way of a Muslim. In fact, this is not even the way of a human being. Humanity that should be in a person. Then this demands that the person does not deliberately give any taklif to anybody. In fact, it is not even the way of many animals to deliberately cause harm to others, to other animals. A sheep doesn't deliberately cause harm to others. There might be one stubborn sheep in the whole lot. Uh, a cow doesn't deliberately cause harm to other cows. It will live peacefully with others. It's not the norm. There was some, some stubborn cow in between, there's another issue. Some mad cow in between, there's another issue. And likewise many animals. There are certain animals that are very harmful. But they also will only harm in defense. Generally they say a snake... A snake is a harmful animal, it has a poisonous bite, but generally it will not attack unprovoked. If somebody has provoked it, then it will attack. So even these very, very poisonous and harmful animals also, they generally don't deliberately, meaning without provocation, they don't harm. There are some that they live in this manner, a lion, now that's its food, so it's going to see some buck there, so he's going to pounce on it. So now that is deliberate, but that's his system now, that's his food. Now this is the wild animals of the jungle. This is their way. That they deliberately cause harm to others, but now that's the system there in the jungle out. So that's the law of the jungle. But the law of dunya, of, the, of human beings, even general human beings, is that they will not cause difficulty deliberately. Unless a person has lost that humanity, the person has lost humanity within him, the normal, general, human nature of a person. 
Now a person is always on the lookout of how I can cause something. And how I can, for my fun, I need to entertain myself. So in order to entertain myself, how, how do I entertain myself? Okay, let's see now. This person, let's make him a target. Now we'll start teasing him, mocking him, or cause some taklif to him. Now he'll get irritated. Now he'll start getting angry. He'll say something. Now all that will make me very amused. How that person is getting angry now. So I'll get amused. So now, every time I want to amuse myself, I will try and irritate the person to make him angry. Because now when he get angry, he'll start reacting in some way. I'll have a good laugh. لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم. Where have we fallen? Where is the hadith of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Al-Muslimu man salim al-Muslimuna min lisani wa yadih. That a Muslim doesn't deliberately give any taklif to anybody. And where is this person who is now looking for ways and means of giving taklif, troubling people, causing pain to people, causing hardship to people? How far away it is from the reality of this hadith sharif? And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, what a noble example he thought. He is waking up at the middle of night to worship Allah Ta'ala. He is waking up to worship Allah Ta'ala. And how is he waking up? He is waking up in the most gentle manner. He is putting on his shoes in a most gentle manner. He is opening the door in a most gentle manner. He is leaving and closing the door again in a most gentle manner. And all for what reason? He doesn't want to disturb the sleep of his own wife. Aisha anha is in that room. She must not get disturbed in any way. In order to avoid her getting disturbed in any way, Nabi Wasallam is conducting himself in such a gentle manner. So this is that consideration Nabi Islam is showing. And this consideration is something we have lost. And especially as students of deen, we have to be learning this lesson. We have to be living this lesson. We have to be demonstrating this lesson practically with everybody. Those in our homes, our parents, our brothers and sisters, our f- uh, relatives and family, maybe neighbors, our classmates, we should be practically demonstrating this lesson at every step. That we know how to consider others. We accommodate others. We will rather take the difficulty, but don't give others any difficulty. We will be inconvenienced if need be, but we won't give inconvenience to, other, to others. And it's never going to be the situation of me, myself and I, and forget about the rest. I will consider the rest, even if I have to forget myself sometimes. Not that we should harm ourselves deliberately, but by putting ourselves back and put it, putting others forward. Putting ourselves last and putting others first. Considering others first. So this is the way that Nabi Wasallam lived. This is the way that he thought. This is the way the Sahaba Ikram lived. The famous incident which we quoted on so many times. That the guest of Rasulullah has come and that Ansari Sahabi says, okay, I will take the guest of Nabi Wasallam. Now there isn't enough food for everybody. So they even extinguish the lamp so that the family is now just pretending to eat and the guest, the food is put in front of him and the guest is thinking everybody's eating but just that this light has gone off now so it's darkness so the people, poor people now, you can't blame them that the light went off by mistake or whatever. So now everybody is eating and he is eating to his full but everybody else stays hungry. 
Allah Ta'ala loves this so much that they put the guest ahead. They undertook the difficulty on themselves but made the guest comfortable. They took the difficulty and the inconvenience on themselves but they honored and respected the guest. مَنْ كَانَ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ فَلْيُكْرِمْ ضَيْفَ Nabi Wasallam has said that the one who has iman in Allah and the last day, the day of judgment, the person has the fear of the day of judgment and has the hope of reward in the day of judgment. That dishonoring the guest could bring consequences on that day. And honoring the guest will bring great rewards on that day. Will bring tremendous benefit on that day. And even in dunya, it brings great barakat and blessings. So now the person who has this in his heart, he has iman on Allah in the last day. So Nabi Islam says, فَلْيُكْرِمْ ضَيْفَ Then let him ensure that he honors his guest. Let him ensure that he makes correct ikram of the guest. So now these people, these Ansari, Ansars did that. They made ikram of the guest in such a dramatic manner that they sacrificed their own food. They stayed hungry the whole night. They even put their children to bed without food. Somehow they pacified them and put them to bed. And as a result, they made this qurbani. They sacrificed. Allah Ta'ala loved the sacrifice so much that وَيُؤْثِرُونَ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ وَلَوْ كَانَ بِهِمْ خَصَاصًا This ayat of the Qur'an Sharif came down in praise of these sahaba kiram that they give preference to others over themselves though they themselves are starving. But they give preference to others over themselves. This qurbani, Allah Ta'ala loved this qurbani. So on this qurbani this came. So we also have to learn to make this qurbani, this sacrifice, and to consider others, to make sure that we do not become the means of anybody else's inconvenience. We do not become the means of taklif to anyone else. And when undertaking this little bit of pressure, this little bit of difficulty sometimes, for the sake of others' convenience, to have this full yaqeen, that this will bring tremendous reward and sawab and barakat and blessings from Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. We are asking for the blessings of Rajab and Shaban. Allahumma barik lana fi Rajabi wa Shaban. The blessings come together with all these du'as. It also comes by making these kind of sacrifices, by considering others. This is what brings these blessings. So this is what we are supposed to be concentrating on and what we are supposed to be trying to inculcate in our lives that how we can become the true and the uh, genuine servants of Allah wa ta'ala become Muslims in reality how we can become Muslims in reality that together with all the other facets of deen we are also not causing any taklif to anybody not causing any kind of inconvenience otherwise then we are not really entitled to, and not really deserving of this title, this very great title of being Muslim. So this also is a requirement of taqwa. We want to get taqwa, we will have to bring this in our lives as well. And this is not just an optional thing. That very good, if I do it, I will get a lot of barakat. No, if we don't bring this in our lives, this is a very dangerous thing. Because this will wipe out a person's rewards, it will wipe out his salah, wipe out his fasting, wipe out his hajj, wipe out his tilawat, wipe it out and give it to others. Others will come and take it. Those who we laughed at, those who we mocked at, those who we are making fun of, those who we are inconveniencing deliberately, 
those who were giving taklif, they will all come and demand that they want to be compensated for this now. And the day of Qiyamah, all our good deeds, all our rewards, all the hard work we did, all will get dished out to others. So this Akhirat is a reality. Life is very temporary, death is a reality. We have to face the Akhirat. Death will stare at us in the eyes anytime. Just yesterday, one message of some person passed away, a youngster. Not even 15, 16 probably, or maybe just around that age. And he passed away. Whatever happened, some incident took place, he was shot, and he passed away, he's gone. The thing is that life, we have no guarantee of life for tomorrow, we don't have guarantee of life for today also. So we have to start improving ourselves, preparing ourselves for the year after, and in this way, inshallah, Allah tabarak wa ta'ala with His fazal and karam, we will find that all the good of this world also we will achieve, and we will get the great rewards of the hereafter as well. We will gain the muhabbat of Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, we will gain the barakat and the rahmat of Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, which will make our dunya also a place of happiness. It will make it a place of prosperity, happiness. And the main thing is the akhirat, that we will get the everlasting bounties of Jannat, we will get the companionship and the, the great honor of being in the company of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Sahaba kiram, and all the awliya of the ummah. May Allah tabarak wa ta'ala grant us the tawfiq, wa akhiru da'wana, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu, wa laka shukru kulluhu, اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وأصحابه أجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين